Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dean Rogers Show. Today, we got another special guest, Zachary Beach. Zachary, what's up, man? Hey, I'm happy to be here, my man. This is gonna Let's be some go. Fun. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, guys, welcome to the Dean Rogers Show, where we talk about real deals that we're doing and bring on awesome guests to talk about how they're finding success in their business to inspire and motivate you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. All right, see you on the show. You know, just talking to you a little bit before the show, I know you're just wicked smart and I can't wait to, to get in here because I think you got, you got so much good uh, stuff to share with people today, especially one of the, the hot topics of how do people transition to actually do this full-time? How can people actually retire? So um, love what you're doing, man. Just to kind of share with the audience who Zach is, what he's all about. So he's the CEO and partner of Wicked Smart Inc. You can go to wickedsmartinc.com, check him out. Uh, Two-time Inc., 5,000 fastest growing companies focused on transforming W2 employees to creative financing real estate investors. Um, let's see, you are a partner in... Uh, Wicked Smart Finance, as well as natprocessing.com. So Nat Processing, where you're helping collect payments for paying mortgages, paying rent, right? In in your creative finance business. Um, so we'll definitely touch on that. Three-time Amazon best-selling author, which is real estate on your terms, new rules of real estate investing, and sell with authority for real estate investors. I love to pick your brain on how you got into that because, dude, writing a book, I know is hard. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, and and your background. At 24, you decided to leave the world of bartending and personal training. I don't know why you didn't stick around and, and why you thought real estate was better. But you, you jumped into the family business. Um, that was one of your first big risks, you know, because there's, there's definitely nothing guaranteed. Um, you knew nothing about real estate at the time. So through all your hard work and all your, your you know trials, tribulations, everything, you've completed over 600 deals and control six, $60 million of real estate doing your deals of buying and holds and um, getting your deals on terms and selling them on terms. So, so much to unpack here. You do this all at the same time while you got your amazing wife, Kayla, two small children, and just figuring out how to balance all that. So, so much good stuff, man. I'm ready to get in. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I love when people read the bio because it's like, uh, you make me sound way better than I am. It's the highlight reel. I love it too. I, when people give an intro for me, I'm always like, man, I got to take you around with me more places because it just makes me feel good. But then you realize this, this isn't, this is no cakewalk. Like it took a lot to get where you're at now. And I'm sure you're still pushing and trying to reach new levels. So um, let's dive in, man. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm gonna have to hire you like Mike Tyson used to do. He's like <laughs> the motivational guy that would walk behind him. Right. Mean, he was always ready. His hype man. He was you always gotta have a hype man. I love, I it. love it. Well, cool, man. Let's let's talk about that bartending part of your life, personal training. Like, how'd you? What what was that like? And did did you like any part of it? Did you just hate it? Like, you couldn't wait to get away or? Well, it was my second college. Um, so, so you know, when, when I was growing up, the only reason why I went to college is because my teachers told me I couldn't. I was never really a good student. I wasn't studious. The only reason why I tried to keep up my grades is because I played sports. And if you don't keep up your grades, then 
you know, you don't get to play. Because uh, I grew up with a single mom, you know, the money never made it to the end of the week. And I was a poor kid that grew up in a rich town. So I was in a chip on my shoulder. Mm. So by the time that chip just kind of led me into college, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just took like business administration, marketing, you know, the basics. Because I figured, oh, I got to know how to do business. Uh, so by the time I got out, I had I had no real direction about what I wanted to do. So what does every good college student do with a degree that just spent, you know, 30 to 50 grand in, in college? Uh, they go get a bartending license and, uh, or they go become a bartender. So I moved in. I moved uh, out of central Massachusetts at the time down to Newport, Rhode Island, which is basically like the San Diego of the East Coast, where all the Navy people hang out there as well. But it's a big tourist destination. So I went and walked one day on uh, in April. I was trying to figure out where I want to go. So I, I walked downtown and I walked into the bar that I ended up working for. And I coerced him with my marketing skills and said, hey, I'll be your marketer. But really, all I cared about doing was was becoming a bartender. Uh, so I ended up getting into that for about four years. Uh, but I knew that that lifestyle wasn't going to uh, you can't keep up with that lifestyle. Uh, if you're you're either all in or you're all out in the world of, uh, of bartending. Um, so me and my wife, when we were about 24 years old, we were we were exhausted. We would work late nights. I would work early mornings because then I'd start training people early in the morning. Mm. Those burning the candle at both ends. So really what we were doing is we were looking for an escape at that point in time in order to make a transition. Um, so I went to my father-in-law, Chris, who was really reinventing his business. He got crushed in 2008. Um, so and was doing, you know, fix and flips, uh, buy and holds, condo conversions, you name it. Uh, but he got crushed in 2008. So he was trying to figure it out. And he was working this whole thing called creative financing. So I approached him and said, hey, I don't know if I'm going to like real estate because uh, I know nothing about it, but it's going to be better than what I'm doing. Um, so at that point in time is when I really started making the transition. It was a bit of a leap at that point because like I said, I had no real estate experience and it took me about six months to do my first deal. But I'm the type of person that just you know burned the ships and, and made the leap. Um, because I knew there needed to be a better way. Yeah. Man, you had to have been burning that candle hard because working late nights and bartending, and you know a lot of personal training is done early in the morning before oh. nine to five work. So were you just up all night? I mean, you're, you're <laughs> dude, your schedule had to have been wild. Like you must have been sleeping during nine to five so that you could be up and you probably even so like you said, just took naps and training people during the day. I mean, you had to have been running thin on energy. Yeah, I was power napping because um, what I would do is I would get into the bar at like five o'clock, get my set up uh, p.m. And then I would work to about one at night, uh, one o'clock, and then you'd have to do breakdown. So I'd be out by like three mm -hmm. and then I'd have my first client at five. So I'd literally be doing like a power nap uh, and that'd go from like five to 10 a.m. Um, and then uh me and my wife were you know trying to figure it out so we even had you know we were part of a, an mlm at one point in time as well too with sure. nutrition so i was running that that gamut as well so as you can just imagine um it just it starts to get crazy and i was young like i was young enough so i could handle it and i'm um but it's just it gets to a point where you're just like there's no end in sight unless you make a change uh, or you decide to become a business owner as like owning a bar and a restaurant 
Um, but that means that, you know, you, you'd have to live the life of being up late all the time. And that's just not what me and my wife wanted. Yeah. Well, what made me want to touch on that point, I heard it, I think it was this morning, I was listening to a podcast or something and someone was pushing back on the side hustle culture of, Hey, it's good to strive for something better. It's good to have a side hustle. It's good to work and get additional income rather than just sitting on the couch and doing nothing, which is what you were doing. Like you were going for it. Like, let's try to make whatever work, but you could run yourself super thin and all your side hustles, you know, probably aren't going to work out. And then, you know, are any of them vehicles to actually get you to that sense of freedom that you're looking for to where you can break free and you can spend time with your family and make your own choices and not be stuck to someone else's time frame because as personal trainer and bartender, like you're on someone else's schedule, you know? Yeah. So my entire family is blue collar, like my dad's side of the family. So like everything was a side hustle, even like your normal job was a side hustle because you're always looking for new work. Uh, and I just knew that that's not the type of lifestyle that I wanted to live. Uh, and when you have, I mean, I had big dreams and big goals. Um, so I just knew that what I was currently doing, the activities I was currently doing, behaviors I was having were not going to lead me to that end result. So eventually I had to make a change. So I agree with, um, with what you were saying there with the side hustles, because eventually though, they don't work out unless you decide to make one of them like the actual route right. you're going to go. I'm right. a big fan of having side hustles either for some fun cash because you're passionate yeah. about it yeah. or you're dabbling to figure out what's the next step for you. Right. Like, all right. Let me dip my toe in the water. Heal me. Let me do a real estate transaction. Let me see how that feels. All right, good. I, you know, I, you know, kind of, cut my teeth a little bit, you know, but at the end result, I made a little bit of money. It felt it was fun. It lined it. It was in alignment with my values. All right, well, let's do a little bit more. All right. And then eventually you get to get to a point, which is exactly what we teach our students. Eventually you get to a point where you have a strategic plan to get a certain dollar amount or that's going to pull back that fear. That's going to create a bridge. And then you make the leap because eventually I, uh, there's going to be a point in time in which you're losing money because you stay in your job and you don't commit to your side hustle. There's yeah. going to be that point where the opportunity cost is you're spending 40 to 50 hours a week on somebody else's job or somebody else's passion working for somebody else um, where you're losing money now because you aren't fully invested. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, that's a great distinguishing point about the side hustle is there's a certain point where you got to test it out, but it's either you stop it or you go all in, right? Um, and that's really important because for me, real estate started out as a side hustle. I had to. Um, it was, you know, I was I was working corporate, and I realized that wasn't my vehicle to get me to back to financial freedom. So I, I found a podcast, and you know, my story goes from there. So, all right. Um, so you go, you go to the family. And you say, hey, let me let me see if this works. What yeah. was that transition like? Was it open arm welcome or was it like, uh, we'll see how this works? How did that go? Well, it's always funny because I say like the family and it's like, it's my in-laws. Uh, yeah. It's my father-in-law. But I happen to know him since I was like 12 years old. Me and my, oh, me okay. and my wife have been dating since sixth grade, middle school. I'm about to say you're like elementary school sweethearts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, absolutely. She's my best friend. And then. Sixth grade came around and, you know, we needed to start dating. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, so cool. 
So yeah, I went to my father-in-law and I think it was, it was stretching him at that point in time too. Cause he was used to be like a solopreneur, like just, you know, he was a broker owner for 18 years. Like it was, it was a lot of just like solopreneur work. And he went out there and was doing real estate deals. And then to have somebody now say, Hey, we want to start building a team. Um, but, but I had to kind of carve out my position. So what I did was in between everything else I was doing, I would make phone calls to expired listings from 12 to two in the afternoon, every single day, just cold calling expired listings every single day um, and developing leads. I was just, I was really a, you know, a, a virtual assistant that wasn't even getting paid unless I closed the deal. Cause I, I always get this all the time. I'm like, yeah, you got a cushy thing. You went and join your in-law, but I was like, no, no, we still to this day don't eat. Uh, we only eat what we kill. Like we still all have that relationship where it's like, if we're doing a real estate transaction, everyone gets paid on the back end once the deal is completed. There's no salaries, nothing like that. So um, I, I started doing that. And almost, it took me six months, but my entire, to do my first deal and it was a sub two and I'll be a, another, another story there, but the great sub two, I get a sub two under agreement and then negative $30,000 because I went ahead and purchased a property that wasn't deleted. Uh, and then we placed a tenant buyer in the house. So now we need to do a $30,000 deleted job. So it's like, Zachary, welcome to the world of real estate investing. Uh, it's going to take you now that entire transaction to make that money back. Um, so with that, I've been there. Know, my, first, <laughs> my first two years of just real estate investing end up being like a very high-end virtual assistant. I was just banging on phones for two years straight. Uh, and then eventually we started building it up and then I started taking over the entire acquisition of doing creative financing. But there was nothing sexy about my real estate, uh, my real estate career and or transition. Like I was having, uh, it was sexier to be a bartender for the first two years, <laughs> you know, than it was to do a real estate investment job. I think that's good to hear though, because I think, you know, it's, it's easy for people to come on and say, oh my God, you know, I became a millionaire my first year. Or, oh my God, you know, I, I did my first deal in two weeks and I made 50,000. There's going to be some people with some stories out there like that, but chances are like you, you got to kind of, you know, doggy paddle around for a little bit till you get your feet underneath you. And that's for, you know, a number of different reasons. What was the reason for you that you felt it took you that long? You made a mistake, right? That was one. Was there anything else that just, it was hard to get traction? You felt like it was a strategy you were implementing? Uh, it was kind of all the above. And and the good thing about creative financing is that deal ended up netting about like $77,000. It wasn't like it was a bad deal. It just, we, I wasn't prepared to handle the upfront costs of yeah. it because we bought it sub two and the seller was going through a divorce. So he was basically saying everything he could possibly say in order to get this deal off his, you know, uh, away from him. Yeah. Uh, but it ended up being a good deal long-term. Um, the, the biggest thing was I, I didn't have any real estate experience, number one. Uh, and number two, I'd had no entrepreneurial experience. Um, mm. And when I say that, it's like I started selling golf balls and I was like, in fourth, you know, and I was like a young kid, uh, but it wasn't like I knew how to build a business. So like time management skills or communication skills, um, none of those things were second nature to me. Um, so just learning the entire process of a real estate transaction just took me time. Um, in, in all honesty, when I talk to some of our, our uh, students, I say, if you end up doing a deal in like the first 30 days, then you got lucky. 
Um, and that's oh, great. Yeah. It's great to get lucky, but just know that it's not that you, you know, you're good. We got to, we got to take a lot of time at fine tuning those skill sets in the system. So that way you can have continued success. Let's just not worry about just getting lucky once, but let's have continued success over a long period of time. And let's develop the skill set, the mindset and the systems to have a long-term business that can, that can create generational wealth. Um, but you know, if you got lucky, you get some money in your pocket. That's perfect. I, I congratulate you because that certainly wasn't my journey. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good point. I think people will just think that they're so good if they get a deal fast, and they'll then kind of cruise and uh, neglect some of the things they need to work on. So you, you mentioned communication and time management. Mm-hmm. Those a being young, okay, and and b being entering into the entrepreneurial world where you're kind of responsible for yourself. No one's really telling you what to do. Those are some of the hardest things right there. Getting your communication skills up because communication is key to the success of any type of transaction, let alone making it even better. And then time management, that's hard to figure out unless someone's guided you and kind of taught you. So how did you navigate those things and, and learn to develop in those areas? Uh, yeah, I, I just approached the team that I was involved with too. So like on top of that, like my brother-in-law was eight years as a realtor. My father-in-law was a broker owner for 18 years and 30 years in, in real estate. Uh, so I had two people next to me that like could tell me everything. And I still had those challenges. So I just say that because, you know, somebody listened to this. It's okay if it takes you time. If It's okay if it yes. takes you a year to do your first deal. It's as soon as you develop those skills and that confidence, it's with you for life. And mm-hmm. that's that's where we start building upon it. So um, time management skills. I mean, my mom was late for everything. So I I had zero time management skills. I had to I had to learn and develop them. I cite so, uh, coaches. Um, I still to this day use a uh, a planner that was given to me. And then I, I worked with Rock Thomas, uh, who's a, a, a big motivational speaker. Um, he's in the real estate space, but also in the motivational space. And, um, so I still use that to this day where I have a very specific Sunday routine that develops my entire week. Uh, so that way I don't miss things. And I, and I, um, ensure that I'm always prepared for each and every meeting and things that I have throughout that week. Um, and then as far as communication skills, you know, like I said, I was, I was blue collar. I, I, um, I was developed from a family like that. So I had to learn all the communication skills. And to this day, I mean, my family still makes fun of me because they call them Zachisms. Like sometimes I just like make up words. Uh, it's not that it's not that <laughs> I mean to. It's just part of my, you know, how I communicate. And so both of those things had to be learned. But but what I, I'll throw one other thing in the mix here. And, and that is those two things can always be learned. The biggest thing, though, was probably my mindset. That was the biggest challenge. Uh, what I What I found out is that I was for a long period of time emotionally tying. Um, I was emo- I was emotionally tied to the results in which I was producing in that moment. So if if I had like a lot of leads that I brought in, so I was speaking with sellers, I was converting them to to what we would call qualified leads, which then we'd walk them through a follow up process in order to eventually buy the property on creative financing. If I was if I had a a great day, I was happy. If I had a crappy day, I was miserable. Mm. Um, so throughout that, that process of changing my mindset and working on personal development, because I, I can tell you to this day, the number one thing that I would tell anybody 
is that if you focus on yourself and work on yourself, that's going to change absolutely everything. And it's going to help you move a lot faster. It's the baggage we bring in, the paradigms, the behaviors, uh, those things that we bring to the table is what takes us away from the actual things that need to be done, which means that it takes us longer to do a deal. Yeah. Uh, so that was the major piece for me. And then eventually it just started to click and then it started to build confidence because uh, that huge gap, that crevice between when you first start your real estate business and when you do your first deal, if you can bridge that gap, that's going to absolutely change uh, the direction of your real estate career and, and probably your entrepreneurial career. As soon as that's nailed down, your confidence starts to build, then you can continue to keep moving forward and building and stacking it upon uh, to then create a, a nice real estate portfolio. Yeah, I think what you said about mindset, I mean, it's such a hot button. Everybody wants to talk about mindset, but like the practicality, because you you were already a hustler, like you were working hard as a bartender, um, as a personal trainer, you were doing the MLM stuff. Like you were, you were putting in the effort. You weren't just sitting back and hoping and wanting, like you were putting in the work. So how did, how did you have to, to work on, how did you work on your mindset to improve it to where you weren't riding the emotional roller coaster of being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I could even peel back a little bit further. So when I was young, I was, um, I went through a lot of challenges. I've seen a lot for, for a young kid. And what that kind of led me down is not good, not a good path. And so I was, I had my addictions to drugs when I was a young kid, like mm. young enough where I like first started smoking weed when I was in like fourth grade. Like wow. that. Uh, so that led to a certain direction in my life. Sure. Uh, and through that direction in my life, I eventually came to a point where I don't want to call it rock bottom, but I, I had very challenging circumstance that led me to then start working on personal development. Uh, so that when I was about 21 years old, I was trying to rebuild my confidence because I was battling addiction. So I focused on number one, physically working on my body because that was what I knew from playing sports. And then while I was at the gym, I started focusing on personal development because I'd start listening to YouTube videos like Bob Proctor, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, you name it. So that started building up my development and my self-confidence which then led me down this path of personal development. So by the time I was about 24 years old and I knew I was going through these challenges of trying to figure out this, um, this real estate business, I had some, some skill sets in my back pocket per se to say, all right, what's happening right now? You know, I'm going through a challenging situation mentally. How do I now go and work on myself and develop myself um, so I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go to events consistently like Bob Proctor. I'd go there you know, once a year. Um, I would listen to motivational uh, tapes in order to try to reset my mind. Uh, and I also had some skill sets like what Tony Robbins would teach you, which would be, hey, if I was going through a bad call, I would jump off the phone and I would start doing push-ups. I like, had to then change mm -hmm. my mindset, change my body, change <clears throat> the physics around me in order to then make that leap. Um, I wish it happened faster, but it was just a buildup of things that happened in my life. So by the time I got there, I had the skill sets or at least the beginning skill sets in order to navigate those challenging situations. Yeah. No, you can, you can break that, break that down and put that into practical, you know, application. So I think that's awesome. Um, so why creative financing? Yeah. Uh, oh, it was, I didn't, ha I didn't have the choice. <laughs> <laughs> my father-in-law was doing creative financing. Uh, so. I went directly into it. It's interesting because 
nowadays it's like a hot topic. Like everybody wants to talk about creative financing. Before, like, you know, say five, six, seven years ago, like nobody wanted to talk about it. It was like, you know, you being the 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 ugly girl at the dance or something like that. It's like nobody wanted to talk to you uh, because they always thought you were crazy. They're like, why you can't get people to to sell you property with no money down or not going to banks or not personally guaranteeing debt or not giving them cash. Um, and now it's like, how do I learn how to do creative financing? Because the whole market's upside down and I need to know ways to buy real estate and protect myself. Um, so it wasn't a choice. It was just, it's like being you know married into the family. It's like, this is what we do. We do creative financing. So I figured it out and, um, and I'm glad we went directly to creative finance because that's kind of set a new baseline of thinking when it comes to real estate, but also businesses. Um, it's just all about creatively looking at everything. There's no one solution. It's there's many solutions, but it's all about you know solving that that motivation and solving that challenge. Then let's figure out the financials afterwards, uh, which can really solve a, a ton of people's problems. So um, that's the short answer is that I didn't really have a choice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is such a hot topic today, and everyone is wanting to learn more about it. So I think uh, you guys are in a good position to help a lot of people, which is where I want to, I want to kind of leap ahead. So you guys, you personally were kind of figuring out your way and then things took traction and you started to get momentum and build and build. And you guys have done hundreds and hundreds of deals. So what, what was it to kind of speed through that? What was it? Was it just that consistent, taking action and working, working through that? Or was there like some big event that happened that was a major breakthrough? What was that like for you? Yeah, I always, so the way I, I, I would look at at least my journey, uh, mm-hmm. but also when I look at new entrepreneurs as well, and it's really first, just take as much action as possible. It's like, just work hard because we like to say like, you can muscle your way to a million dollars. You can, you can absolutely do so. And I'm not saying that um, getting to a million dollars is not hard. It is, but you can muscle your way there. You can get there by doing more, just do more, just do more. But eventually there's going to be a point in which you got to, you got to be smart. Um, So first work hard, then work smart. Um, So like when we're communicating with our students and teaching people creative financing, it's all right, let's how we, let's see how many phone calls we can make how to perfect your skill set with making uh, with your scripts. Then once you nail that down, let's ensure we get a good follow-up process. Uh, then from there, let's make sure you're really good at appointments. And then from there, deal structuring, bringing it all together um, at the end as well. But let's just do more first. Then once we do more, now let's elevate our way of thinking. Let's elevate our, our perspective. So now we can start looking at uh, key performance indicators or metrics and say, all right, well, you did all, you did, you did a bunch of activity. Now let's look at conversion. All right, good. So now once we've done all the activity, now it's about converting. So I, I, I set that uh, up to, to say, it wasn't like there was a major event. I, especially in my life too, like it's, it was never like a giant spike. It was just a consistency of putting in action uh, because when I look at the world of real estate investing and the way, the reason why I was attracted to it and well, I'm attracted to business in general, and that's because with that, you can outwork people uh, when it comes to real estate investing. You can, you can, if you can develop the skill sets, you can absolutely outwork people. 
And that was the only way that I ever made anything in my life. It was just, I just worked as hard as physically possible. Um, but once you get to that point, that's about working smart. Um, and working smart comes from understanding your metrics, understanding your conversions. And then from there, it becomes predictable. So once we've worked hard and then we've worked smart, now it can be predictable. So that way you can start building your team out as well. And that's exactly what we did. We got to a point where then we started building out a team and then we had our uh, metrics that we can measure against. So every time we brought somebody in, we got them up to KPI and then did the same thing over and over again. And then eventually that's how we grew and scaled our business. Because really in, in, my, in my world of real estate investing, as you grow out your team, that's when you grow out your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you, you get to a certain point as an entrepreneur where you, you might still believe that you're the best and, and that you can do it all and that you're going to do it better than anyone else. But you get to a certain point where the only way for you to grow and scale is to bring on more people. And so for you, uh, I mean, your your journey sounds similar to mine in the sense that, hey, it wasn't some, just some big event that happened. I had some killer deal that was a million dollar deal and I exploded and was so free after that. Like, it's just putting in the work over and over and over again. And then you get better and you get smarter and you you learn how to, to scale it from there. So, um, all right. So you guys have done all these deals. Now, you guys have gotten to a point where you're, you're a go-to resource for creative financing, right? You have your coaching program. You have, uh, you know, an audience of people that understand that you guys can help them. So explain to me what it's like to be working with around $60 million worth of real estate through these creative financing transactions at any given time? Like, what does that look like as an operation? Um, how do you kind of manage and navigate that? What does that look like? Yeah, so the way we've set up, the, the way we work with our students is we help them in their market build and scare their portfolio. Uh, so when we look at, say, $60 million, there's going to be a portion that's owned by us, and there's going to be a, a bigger portion now because we're extremely focused on them. Uh, across the entire country. So it's like the mom and pops of, you know, these people own three to 10 properties. These people own three to 10 properties. And then it just adds up to say 60 to $100 million at any given time um, because you have deals that are coming in because the way we buy is on owner financing, sub twos or, or lease purchases or lease options. So you have these deals that we acquire and then we have a three to five year and sometimes 10 year turn. Um, and then, so you have portfolios that are catching out and new deals that are coming on. Um, so the interesting part is it's just a bunch of small little companies in which we're just helping people continue to grow and scale over time. Um, so it's not like a giant operation. We're not a giant deal machine when it comes to like one conglomerate, but anything, we're just trying to help, you know, the real estate investor in Reno, Nevada, get to his 10 deals in order to help him, uh, help him, you know, escape his job, get enough. Uh, we have a trademark three payday system, get him enough three paydays. Uh, that way it could accumulate and eclipse his salary. So that way he can start making different decisions and then start building out that portfolio now to sustain his lifestyle. And we just keep doing that over and over again as we go across the entire country. I love that. So are, are the, what you're teaching your students, is it about acquiring and holding, building a portfolio to get the cash flow, or is it about the transactional love, get those paydays? In, in like a lump sum type of format? 
Yeah, when we look at creative financing, it's a great question. When we look at creative financing, we look at it as a holistic approach. So the deal is going to determine how we're going to kind of navigate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I looked at our average deal um, that we acquire, it's roughly three to five years from beginning to end, meaning it gets cashed out. Um, it's roughly between seventy-five dollars and $100,000 in total profits uh, from that deal. And that comes from you acquire a property, you sell it to a buyer that needs time in order to qualify for a loan. We call them tenant buyers. They bring in a non-refundable deposit. It's roughly, say, twenty-six dollars to $35,000 up front. That's your non-refundable deposit. You're then going to be collecting cash flow because you bought it for a certain price and you sold it for a higher price uh, on a monthly basis and on a, uh, a price premium. So you're getting roughly three to 500 bucks in cash flow month in and month out. And we pass along the responsibilities to that end buyer. So it's literally just cash flow. And then during the time in which the buyer's in the property, we're building an equity. Uh, so at some point in time, this buyer then goes and qualifies for a loan. Now you receive another lump sum. Um, so by doing that, um, some of the deals are going to last long, you know, five, 10, 20 years, especially when we're doing the longer term owner financing deals. And some of them are going to be consistent turnover. So when we approach a deal, we just look at it holistically and we say, is this a good deal in, um, for us to have in our portfolio, whether it's a hold, whether it's a rent to own, uh, whether it's owner financing, and then we make the decision based upon how we acquired it is how we're going to exit. So one of the things you said interesting before the show that blew my mind is you talked about, or I asked you, you know, what's, what's the percentage that you're actually getting these tenant buyers, you call them to Mm -hmm. actually purchase the house. Cause for not everybody that knows about creative financing, that's listening, you know, one of the exit strategies is you, you acquire the property on terms, whichever specific creative financing uh, strategy you use. And then you you basically create your exit by doing a, a rent to own, right? You're, you're doing a rent to own or a lease option purchase where someone's going to rent the property with the option to purchase it. And I think if you look across the industry with others, other people that are teaching this and doing it, yeah. they'll almost brag about the fact that those tenants that are looking to lease option purchase it, rent to own that property that are putting down a big non-refundable deposit will default, will not actually purchase that property. And at some point in time, will exit the property. You keep their their refundable, non-refundable deposit. And now you go find another rent-to-own tenant buyer. And, and your percentage was crazy high. So you want to share what that's like for you? Yeah, it's because it's we reversed engineered the entire process and said, how do we convert a tenant to a buyer? Not how do we take somebody's money, place them in a house, and who cares what they do? Because the truth is, just like our students, there are key there are key behaviors that we need to help instill in order to create success. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have we have roughly a 90, 95% success rate. Uh, Crazy. Buyers. And again, the reason is we have a very particular process that we walk them through. Like we are, we are, First and foremost, we're going to bring them to a very specific vetting process, just over phone screening and then in-person screening. And then from there, um, after they visited the home and they decide this is the place they want to buy, we're then going to ensure that we have third-party vendors that have written mortgages before, uh, look at their debt-to-income ratio, their FICO scores, and then give us an idea of based upon their non-refundable deposit, 
uh, which is credited at the time of the they purchase. So when they go get a loan, it's credited. Based upon all of that, they are going to tell us if they do X, Y, and Z, they're mortgage ready in this amount of time. Then once we have that third party tell us that, then we create a customized agreement with them that would then tell us, all right, this, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith are going to be mortgage ready in 24 months. All right, well, we're going to put in 24 months with the understanding that there may be a, maybe a six month worth of leeway as well. We then place them in the property. We have direct communication with them throughout the course of their lease. Um, to ensure that they are doing what they said they're going to do. And then at usually about six months out, we then connect them with a third-party lender that we've used in order to help qualify buyers in the past in order to get them to the finish line. They then start working with them as they start working on getting their mortgage. So by the time that their lease agreement is over or their lease purchase agreement is over and they're ready to exercise their option, they've already gone through that entire process. So now they're ready to become mortgage ready. Um, so it's very like. But it takes a lot of time and uh, I want to say more effort than what other people are doing, which is take the money and just place them in the house and never talk to them again. So what you're trying to say is you thought about this a little bit. Yeah. You have to (laughs) build behaviors, right? Like when you were about to join real estate investing, Dean, you then realize there's there's certain behaviors that I need to have on a consistent basis in order to help me elevate to where I need to be. Same with them. You're a tenant right now for a reason. You can't qualify for a loan right now for a reason. So how do, and, and those reasons are, are, those results were created by the behaviors in which you had. Now we have to show you how to behave differently so you create different results. Yeah. Man, that's cool. That's awesome. I, what a great accomplishment to, to have that level of success. And obviously it's it's all built in from the beginning, like what's your intent behind it? So kudos to you on that. Now let's talk about wicked smart. Wicked smart. I love that. Uh, such a such a good uh, East Coaster type of thing there. So how did you guys get into Wicked Smart? And let's talk about what that part of your business looks like. Yeah. So uh, Smart Real Estate Coach is really, uh, as we're going through our new branding process, but Smart Real Estate Coach was the original uh, coaching company. And, and really, it got created by accident. We were, as a family, buying and selling real estate with no intention of, of coaching, buying some real estate in actually a, um, a, a student out of the war college in Newport, Rhode Island approached us uh, and said, hey, I'm getting out of uh, the military and I'm trying to look at learning a new skill set in order to, to, to figure out a new way to make money. So then my father-in-law started teaching him. And then we ended up, so we said, all right, this is a slight idea. Um, so then my father-in-law ended up writing this book called Eat eat that sandwich. It was only about lease options, right? Eat that sandwich. That was it. <laughs> only about lease options. And we paired up with a, you know, similar, maybe someone like yourself, uh, where we had a strategic alliance and we sent down an email with that book and we got like 300 opt-ins. And out of that, we ended up taking on like three students. Um, so then when, uh, so that was all created up. So I was still focusing on the real estate investment company. And then, uh, about two years into, you know, that like little bit of, us having fun, uh, we then decided uh, from a family meeting, we said, hey, should we pour more energy into this? Because one is we can just go do as many deals as we want here in Massachusetts, Island, Connecticut. We could just stick right in that lane. Um, but we thought to ourselves, hey, or we could affect entrepreneurs across the entire country 
and affect hundreds of thousands of both buyers and sellers uh, by just doing more deals. So that's where Wicked Smart really came out of, which was, hey, how can we find other investors or other people that want to be investors in markets across the entire United States and help them do deals and then see how they can uh, their lives can be affected? Because in every real estate transaction that we do, there's three people that are affected or three families. One is you have the real estate investor uh, because they're creating income now and be able to eventually either leave their job or create supplement income. You also have the seller who's in a challenging situation or uh, in a challenging situation could be good or bad. We have properties that we buy that are debt-free. They just don't want to sell for less than market value. And we can provide that through creative financing. Mm -hmm. You have the seller and then you also have the buyer. So we could do all these deals in Massachusetts, Connecticut, or we can go ahead and affect and start helping people create these businesses where now we're affecting lives that we're doing deals in which I don't even know about. Uh, so we're affecting lives that we don't even know about, and which is pretty cool to see that impact. Yeah. Once, once you get into, you know, a certain part of your career where you've, you've figured out how to do it and scale it and grow it and bring on other team members and you get to experience what it's like when you help other people and, and how fulfilling that is and seeing the impact that it has, you just can't help but want to do it more. So that's why, you know, I got into coaching because the same, same thing. Like once you start helping other people and seeing the value it brings and, and just the world with the law of attraction and, and abundance mindset, it, it reciprocates all that back too. So when you're doing good, it attracts more good. And, uh, and that's, that's a fun thing to do. So, um, a couple last things here. So you got some free giveaways, you got a lot, so much good content, but you have a couple free giveaways here that, uh, maybe you could pick one that you wanted to highlight, uh, for people listening. What are some good, some good stuff that people can get their hands on? Yeah, it's a great, a great place to start. So we'll give away our first Amazon bestselling book. And I mean, we're going to ship it to you. It's hardcover. Uh, you can read it. You can physically read it. Um, those of you that like listen to audibles, you can get the book and you can listen to it on audible as well. Uh, it's called Real Estate on Your Terms. Uh, it's a great introduction to creative financing and how we buy and sell real estate. It also has some of our backstories as well. So you can get to know us a bit. Um, there's case studies in there, systematic approach in order to, to looking at creative financing. So we'll ensure that they get the book. All they have to do is go to wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Dean. That's just wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Dean. Just go ahead and click, click it, put in your address and we'll ship it out to you for free. Um, that'd be an absolute great place to start. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, the more you can get your hands on some stuff and really dive into it, you guys got to get plugged in with, with Zach here and see everything that he's doing. There's just so much good content, so many other good people that are in your network. So um, we're going to make sure we drop in uh, the description here, all the different social media links, the giveaways, everything there for you. Um, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say definitely grab the book. You can follow us on social. Uh, I think we're the, we're the most active on probably Instagram, TikTok. Uh, so at Smart Real Estate Coach uh, would be a great place to start. Um, our YouTube channel is so if you're a person that dives into YouTube and really wants to dissect and learn things, we've been doing uh, deal structure Sundays for, I think it's like three going on four years now. So every single Sunday, we dissect a creative financing real estate deal 
Nice. But it's either ours or our students. So it's a great place to learn. So either YouTube or, or Instagram are going to be your best places. And, and we're quite active on there. So we'll be in communication with you. Awesome, man. I always like to encourage people to reach out and connect. So like, if you're listening to this, reach out, connect with Zach on, on YouTube, subscribe, go on Instagram, reach out. What's a good way for someone to get your attention? I, I have my own opinions, but like if someone says, dude, I want to be in contact with Zach. I want to talk with him. I want to be in his network. What's your opinion on the best way for someone to get into your, your world? Oh, somebody actually wants to get into my world, then um, I would highly recommend that you either put an application in or, or try to join our community. I mean, that's your best place as our community is like our family. I mean, we're in constant communication across the board. Everyone's got my cell phone number. So if something's going on with a coach and a coach can't uh, structure the deal with you um, because they're, they're doing something. I mean, people call me. So uh, yep. just go onto our website, wickedsmartinc.com. You can put your application in. Uh, it certainly is pay to play, um, but it's all about helping you get your results in order to uh, accomplish your goals. And with 2023 just starting, I mean, there's no better place to invest than invest in yourself because that's going to be the number one place that's going to give you the biggest return. Like Warren Buffett even said it. I was reading a, a recent quote and he said, hey, if you start all over again, he would just invest more in himself. Yeah. So I encourage <laughs> each and every person to do so. That's that's a lesson I said everyone too. Like the best way for you to have accelerated growth is to get close to somebody who's already had success and who has a community, right? So if you join, if someone joins your community, the Wicked Smart community, and you want to become an expert in creative finance, doing deals, and be around other people that are doing it, there's no better place to do that. So um, definitely reach out to Zach online. You guys can connect with him. Um, there, if you're interested in the community, you can check that out as well. Any last words, Zach? Well, Dean, uh, just to capitalize on that, we practice what we preach. I mean, that's yeah. how we know each other from a right. mastermind in which we both join. We both are consistently investing in ourselves in order to level up. Um, I, I heard this term recently, which is like pull forward. Uh, so it's like you can go out there and I've, and I've done it in many ways, both ways, meaning I've gone out there and I've cut my teeth and just said, hey, I'm not investing in myself. I'm just going to learn it. And that usually is the long way. Um, and then there's the other way, which is you can go out there, invest in yourself and pull everything forward. So if you want to go out there and learn creative financing deals, instead of trying to figure it out for 24 months, come join a community, come have a coach, come have a community that has over 50 years of real estate experience, meaning we have been through multiple market cycles uh, and we can help you now navigate this one. And that is why as a family, we have doubled down as well. We have, we have got our attorneys together. We've gotten our team together and we have created new LLCs in order to now buy more creative financing deals because we see this three to five year window, which is a massive opportunity with the shifting in the buyer side and the seller side. It's very rare that our pools of both buyers and sellers growing at the same time, which means that there's a massive opportunity uh, so we are absolutely eating our own cooking. Like we are diving in to do as much real estate as possible. So I know there's going to be some people that listen to this that are going to hop on the train and we're certainly excited to work with you. And then there's going to be those that we both know, Dean, they're going to shoot all over themselves. As uh, Tony Robbins <laughs> said, I should have did this. I should have did that. Uh, and then unfortunately, you know, that we're going to pass up another major opportunity. But uh, those that are taking action, you know, we'd love to help. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, dude, I, I'm, I keep trying to find my, my, uh, find excuses to, to not go longer. There's just so much good stuff here to unpack so much information. It's like incredible. So, um, kudos to you again, (laughs) you got to come back. Kudos to you again for, for just all that you guys have accomplished. Um, you know, you can really tell the authenticity of you guys, what you're looking to accomplish, um, in helping others. So, just uh, just great on everything there. So appreciate having you on, man. Again, everybody, make sure you reach out, connect with Zach here. And until next time, peace.